Hello, everyone. This is Vincent Pacello, host of the MSU WMA podcast. We have another amazing episode planned for you today. We recently had Claire Wolfile. Claire is a Michigan State University alum and financial advisor for Vanguard. In today's episode, we talked about what a day in the life of a financial advisor looks like, as well as what the inception of WMA looked like as she was one of the founding members. Really excited for today's episode. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the MSU WMA podcast. Um, I am with Claire Wolfile. Claire, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super glad to be here. Absolutely. So, um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to um, a career in financial advising. Yeah, yeah. Well, to give you the kind of short synopsis of of me, I have grown up in Michigan all my life, so it was a no brainer to go to Michigan State. Um, I will admit I didn't come to that uh, as quickly as I, I wish I had. Um, I knew uh, as far as my career went, I knew I wanted to be a helper, so to say. I wanted to work with people. And so the way I kind of grew up thinking I would do that because something I always loved was music was I was going to go into uh, something of music performance, music, music education, music therapy was actually what I explored. So I went to another college for that, discovered that wasn't necessarily what I wanted. Um, So I transferred out of that school and went to community college for a while, really had no idea what I wanted to do. I just had that uh, desire in mind still of wanting to help people and work with people. Um, Eventually, I found my way to MSU. I found that I really liked my economics classes, and so I figured that's what I would go into, but an, ac- an academic advisor luckily was like, no, don't do that, go into finance. And luckily I took that advice, went into the business college, which was super, super great, um, learning just business in general yeah. and prepping for career in the corporate America uh, yeah. was super helpful. Um and then junior year of, of school, somebody in my marketing 101 class actually brought up Professor Stephen Schiestel's name and was like, hey, he's looking to start a wealth management program. And it sounds like that's like exactly what you want. And I was like, that is exactly what I want. So got in contact with him, uh, signed up for all of the classes for senior year and breezed by it, loved every minute of it. And uh, now here I am, I work for Vanguard. I was hired into their financial advisor development program back in June of 2019. So I've been working my way through that. I'm almost finished with it. Um, But as of right now, I am a full-on financial advisor for Vanguard. I help clients every single day and I love every minute of it. That is super cool. Music therapy is really interesting. I've never heard of that before, but like what, what is that? Just, just out of curiosity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so it's, it's essentially, it's kind of a mix of like occupational therapy and physical therapy. It can be used for many different things. So, um, an obvious kind of consideration of it is for physical therapy, you know, having, uh, people with limited mobility hit on a drum to re-coordinate their arm muscles. It can also be really therapeutic for people with uh, mental illnesses or with uh, traumatic stress. 
Uh, music can be really therapeutic in that way. So there's tons of uses for it. It's really versatile, which is what drew me to it. Um, I think ultimately for me, it was a little too versatile, a little sure. too theoretical. Yeah. And so I wanted to go somewhere a little bit more concrete. And uh, that's kind of how I stumbled upon financial advising. Cool. Yeah. And, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll get more into the, you know, the WMA and like the program first. But if you guys don't know, mm -hmm. Claire was actually in our um, CFP promotional video, our program that was released a few months ago. So you might recognize her from there. So, um, but yeah, so going forward, um, how did you, how did being a student at Michigan State um, prepare you for this profession? Yeah, well, I think number one, just the College of Business in general was super formative for me in regards to how to ace an interview, how to apply for jobs and fill out a resume, have a cover letter, things to that nature. I would not have known what to do in any of that regard if it wasn't for the process of actually having to apply mm -hmm. to get into the business college at MSU. So that was super, super helpful. Um, I think it's also helpful more specifically to financial advising in that in a lot of places you can start your career in financial advising you do have to build out your own book and you do have to seek out clients. Right. And so all of those skills really transfer well into um, book building and relationship management, how to uh, give that short pitch of yourself and kind of impress that you are this trustworthy advisor um, that, and that you can help them. Um, I think the business college just in general has done a really great job at that. Um, and then more specifically, uh, the wealth management program at MSU, um, you know, I was able to do it in just a year span, but it provided that really well-rounded um, education for everything that's required to sit for the CFP exam, to talk to clients on a daily basis about all of these topics. Right. It did a good job at not only teaching the, the technical side and the skills um, but also fostering that more uh, relationship aspect. And how do you present these ideas to clients? How do you present this to people that don't know this stuff? Um, yeah. I think it was really helpful in that aspect. For sure. And and also for those who aren't watching, just playing proudly behind Claris, her degree from Michigan State, so <laughs> um, which is which is cool to see. But no, I, I can definitely relate to that because the program now is the Russell Palmer uh, Career Career Management Center. And, and like I got a lot out of it and especially for like preparing for interviews and um offer management too like it's really 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 helpful um definitely could not have done that without them so um so describe a day in the life as an advisor like like tell us more about like what goes on in the day and all that kind of stuff yeah awesome uh definitely so uh in my specific what's the word i'm looking for in my <laughs> specific view of of advising you know with vanguard I'm very fortunate in that I don't have to seek out clients. I don't have to prospect and um, look for that interaction. It all comes to me. Um, Vanguard is, is a, a large enough company, well-known enough that clients come and, and seek out advice with us. And so luckily my day is kind of pre-planned for me. Um, as I come in. So usually it is planned out a few days in advance. Um, and so essentially what I typically do, my typical routine is um, I am working from home at the moment. I didn't used to be, but for now I am. And so I'll just 
roll out of bed, log into my computer, uh, take a look at my, my schedule for the day. It'll consist uh, a mix of both having appointments with clients as well as doing some of the backend work. So typically I try to knock out that backend stuff. Um, that'll involve placing transactions, you know, doing rebalances for clients. That can involve um, following up on previous appointments. If there was a question that I didn't know the answer to, um, I'll do my research and find the answer and then get back to them in an email. Typically I try to do those in the morning as well. Um, just any general email correspondence, um, following up with clients that maybe haven't spoken to us in a while, reaching out, just seeing how they're doing. Um, so usually I try to do that first thing in the morning. And then um, I typically have about four to five appointments per day um, that are all spread out. So um, usually try to just glance at all of them uh, before they come up, just to have a sense of what's going to happen. The types of appointments I have are a mix between clients that are interested in signing up for the service that aren't yet signed up. Um, so I'll kind of have a, an almost a sales pitch of here's what we do, here's how we can help you. Uh, if this is something you're interested in, let's talk about next steps and let's get a strategy in place for us for moving forward. Um, and then in addition, I'll also have appointments with existing clients that are already enrolled in our service and have a question about how their performance has been or a question about, hey, I am thinking about increasing my life insurance policy. Is that a good idea? Or, hey, you know, I'm starting to think about legacy planning. What kind of things do I need to keep in mind? Um, anything you know, on the range of financial planning can come up. Um, so I'll have those conversations typically one to two a day, um, and then one to two of the, uh, more, uh, enrollment based appointments. So, um, in between those appointments, typically we do have some meetings as a team. So everybody's on a little pod of, of, uh, about eight to 10 other advisors, and we all get together daily and discuss what our days look like, what client topics have been brought up, you know, what seems to be on people's minds more often. We'll talk through best practices. Um, so that's something that, that we do a lot. Um, and then also anytime I have some downtime, just kind of talking with my fellow colleagues, um, you know, asking each other different questions. How would you handle a client situation if this were to happen? Or what resources do you have on this topic? Um, just to kind of build acumen, uh, gain some knowledge, so that way we're prepared for anything that can come up. Um, so generally, uh, my day uh, just looks like talking to clients, giving them uh, peace of mind and advice on on what's going on, and then doing some back end stuff. But usually, it's pretty pretty well filled, and uh, I would say I, I definitely do not struggle to have. Uh, a really meaningful interaction every single day. So that's the really cool part about the job for sure. Very, very cool. So kind of a two-part question. Describe like what's like the the back end stuff that you were talking mm -hmm. about before. And like um also, do you ever feel like you're taking on the role of a coach, like a financial coach, whenever you're you're doing these meetings and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um so uh, I'll start with the first question, the back end stuff that's just the more clerical technical side of this client's rebalance day is, is on us, make sure these trades are gonna execute. So I just have to go through, look at things, make sure that there's no errors that I see and just push it through and send a message saying, hey, 
we did your rebounds today. Just so you know, if you want to talk about it, schedule an appointment. Um, uh, so just general clerical things to that nature. Um, it's usually, you know, Mondays are typically the most busy for that stuff, but uh, for the most part, it's it's pretty reasonable. Um, and we've actually been doing a really great job reducing that over time as well. So um, it hasn't been as much. Usually the focus is on the appointments throughout the day. Um, but I would definitely say I am a, a coach in a lot of regards. Um, you know, I wasn't an advisor during the crash back in March of 2020. Um, but I was uh, part of uh, the financial advisor development program as we rotate through different uh, areas of the company. And so at that moment, I was in the sales department, which connected clients with advisors that were interested. So we saw a ton of people calling in, freaking out, like, I need to sell everything. I need to go to cash. And that was definitely an instance where uh, coaching came in to say, hey, you know, Let's take a step back. Let's reevaluate your goals. What did we set this up for to begin with? How much time do we have until that goal is going to be reached? Yeah. You know, yeah. putting it into perspective for clients is a huge part of, of the role. And that's something I tell uh, even prospective clients that aren't enrolled yet. And I, I tell them, you know, there are going to be periods where the market is going to go down. That's just a given. Right. It's not something we can control. It's going to happen. Um, and you are going to see your portfolio drop in value at some point or another. And really what we're here for is to be that disciplined uh, voice of reason in your head, um, telling you that, you know, we were expecting this to happen. This was a given. And here's what we need to do to make sure that this isn't going to be a detriment to your plan. So that is a, a huge, huge part of the job for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's super cool. Um, and, and I'm sure you probably get like the calls where they're like, um, you know, I'm thinking about buying this new car soon or like buying a house. You ever get stuff like that too? And like, they, they mm -hmm. kind of like offer your input on like whether they should go with it or whether like, have you ever like called anyone out and be like, I don't think you should do that. You know, like one, mm -hmm. one of those things. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, I can definitely think of a number of situations where clients call in and they say, you know, my main goal is to pay for my kids' education. I don't want them to have any student loans. I don't want them to be in debt at all for their education. Right. And I'm like, you know, that's great. That's awesome that you want to do that for your kids. Tell me about your retirement. Like, what have you done to prepare for that? Right. Oh, well, I haven't really thought about that at all. Well, you know, student loans are a thing. We can work on that. There's no such thing as a retirement loan. <laughs> so <laughs> right. I think that's probably something we want to look at, you know, if that's all set, if we run the numbers and things are looking good there, heck yeah, let's plan for your kid's education. Let's look and see what we can do, but I want to make sure we're taking care of you first and foremost. Right. So that's definitely a, a conversation I have uh, very often. Super, super cool. So, um, so kind of going off that, what are some of the strategies or kind of ways that you communicate with your clients? like prepare them for a stable financial future? Yeah. So um, I think the number one thing that I kind of learned, especially working at Vanguard, is there is such a wide array of clients you can work with, you know, people with different skill sets, with different financial acumen. Um, and you kind of have to learn how to talk to each of those different clients. So, yeah. you know, for instance, you might have one appointment with an engineer who's working with numbers all day, every day, who, 
uh, watches the news constantly, who MSNBC is always on in the background, they're right. keeping up with what's going on. You're going to talk to them very differently from an elementary school teacher who has never thought of investing and all of a sudden just inherited a ton of money from their, their father. You know, Interesting. there's two way different perspectives there. And so you kind of have to figure out how are you going to communicate to each of these different uh, clients. Um, I found one way that works with most people, you know, whether they're super well educated versus uh, not knowing so much is analogies. Analogies make mm. a huge, huge difference. One of my favorite ones, and I'm going to give credit to one of my, my colleagues for this, but uh, I use it, I would say every day. I always tell clients, um, think of your investments, uh, think of your accounts, your portfolio as your car. It's like your vehicle, your car, it's going to get you from place A to place B. It's going to get you to your goal. Um, and when we're looking at the investment breakdown, you know, when thinking about how certain investments work, stocks are like your gas pedal. That's what's mm. going to propel you forward. What's going to get you moving. That's what's going to get you closer to achieving that return and that goal that you have in mind. We can't always rely on the gas pedal for driving. You know, we also need brakes and that's what bonds are for. Bonds are going to provide that stability, that stop, you know, when we see the cliff approaching, yeah. they're going to prevent you from going over that cliff. They're going to prevent you from crashing into that wall. Um, and so that's what we like to utilize um, and, and kind of uh, refer to when determining, you know, how much in stocks, which is going to be propelling you forward, but also can lead you off the cliff. How much of that do we want in your portfolio versus the breaks, the bonds right. that are going to provide that stability? So just analogies in general really make a huge difference in connecting uh, with clients. And I think the number one thing when talking to anybody, um, and I've this probably took me a while to realize, yeah. um, is it's not so much, most clients don't care about how much you can recall off the top of the hat and you know, knowing every single number and every single return chart of, of every investment. They just want to know that you have their best interest in mind. They right. want to know that you, they can trust you. And so being able to display that trust and being able to display, I'm here for you. I'm not getting any sort of incentive to do anything other than be what's best for you. Right. Um, I think that's, that's the number one thing. Right. And that's where the fiduciary model comes in, right? For you. Mm -hmm. Yep. Awesome. Definitely. And yeah. um, so, and, and, and kind of going off of that, like you were saying how, like with the elementary school versus the guy who was watching the news all the time, they're not going to mm -hmm. understand all the terms, right? They're not going to like, yeah. it, it might take some time for them to understand like what inflation is or like what, like, uh, you know, what, what, where they can park their money into a 529 mm -hmm. or, you know, the four three B for the teacher, but yeah, you never know. So that's really cool. Um, so what resources do you use to help you as an advisor, like any books or any podcasts, blogs, anything like that, that you found really helpful? Yeah. Um, I would say just keeping up on current events helps me a lot and being able to relate it back to what I do. Um, yeah. the way I do that, I, I have a few different newsletters that I subscribe to. Um, one of my favorites is morning brew. I think it's, it's yeah. gained popularity really recently. Um, pretty nice, concise, um, isn't super bland in how you read it. So I really yeah. like that. Um, I also have uh, an email from Bloomberg that I get. It's five things to start your day, just kind of lists out five quick hit things. Um, 
in a concise way. I think it also will link to full articles if you want to read into it more. Um, with Vanguard, they actually pay for all of its employees to have a Wall Street Journal subscription. Great. So I'm subscribed yeah. through there. Um, I will get notifications on my phone throughout the day of different news topics that I can open up and read the articles on what spikes my interest. Um, there's also some other uh, newsletters uh, through Vanguard that I receive. Ignites is one that um, I believe they kind of, they. Uh, carry over the broad spectrum of news, but I mainly subscribe to their financial industry um, and they'll kind of give updates on different firms within the financial industry. So I find that very interesting. Um, also, I make a point of it and this happens a ton. Anytime somebody recommends a book to read, I always try to just go on Amazon and buy it immediately. Mm. I will say I'm not the best at getting around to reading it all the time, but <laughs> right. I've definitely got a substantial reading list uh, built up. The yeah. one I'm working on, I've actually got it right next to me right now. This uh, Life-Centered Financial Planning by Mitch Anthony, Paul Armson. Um, tons of advisors on my teams have recommended this. So uh, that's definitely next on my list that I'll be starting here. But um the nice thing about working for Vanguard as well, um, Vanguard employs a huge number of researchers and economists. So yeah. they're always releasing new market outlooks and perspectives. So I always try to keep on, on track with that. Um, but then also I think the biggest and best resource in my opinion is just my colleagues and talking to them about their experiences and um, kind of bouncing ideas back and forth. Um, yeah. So many people just have these different wealth banks that you can pull from. And I kind of have uh, found my go-to person for if I have questions about how insurance works or if I have questions about uh, the ins and outs of estate planning. You know, I, there's specific people that I know, like they're the expert. I'm going to go to them and ask my questions. So yeah. um, that's one thing I, I really love about uh, just Vanguard is we're not pitted against each other. It's not a... Uh, competition of who's caring for their clients the best. We're all kind of on the same team and yeah. we all really want to build our uh, knowledge. So we're really, I would say we're the best resources for each other for sure. That's super cool. Yeah. No collaboration is definitely, you know, a great thing to have. And uh, for those who aren't aware who are, who go to Michigan state, we do have access to New York times and wall street journals. So just something to keep in mind. Cause I'm also subscribed to wall street journal. I get those um, notifications on my phone, you know, it just helps me keep me in the loop. It's always really yeah. nice. Um, so what do you think are the most important qualities of a financial advisor or the qualities that like you've like realized, like, wow, this is super important for what I do. Mm -hmm. I would say number one, hands down is just that trust factor, being able to um, per just um, give off that trusting energy to clients and show I'm doing this for you. I'm, trying to help you achieve your goals, that is my goal, is, is your goals. Mm -hmm. um, I think, like I said, some clients know nothing. And so they're not gonna care if you spit out all these facts about um, different trusts and how each of these different trust levels work. They don't care. Right. They just wanna know that you are doing what's in their best interest. And I think the number one way to earn that trust is to be an active listener, not just 
even listening to what they're saying, but being able to listen and apply what they're saying to further the conversation, to ask meaningful questions, you know, not just taking what they say at surface level, but diving deeper into those, uh, those comments and those concerns. Um, you know, it's, it's super common that money is a pretty taboo subject, especially to older people. Um, that was something that most people growing up were taught not to talk about. Um, and so it can be difficult for clients to open up, especially you know, it, it, with how Vanguard operates, we're purely over the phone interactions. So it can be hard to open up about your life savings and your financial goals to somebody you can't even see and somebody that's just a voice on a phone. Right. Um, so you wanna make sure that you're not only listening to what they're saying, but also diving deeper into that, you know, asking things like, um, you know, that's an interesting point you make. What makes you feel that way? Um, what experiences have you had with money in the past? You'll find that a number of clients, their views on money is formed from their childhood experiences. And then covering that can be so, so beneficial for making a lasting connection and making a lasting relationship. So right. um, I would say number one, again, is just building that trust, building that communication uh, by being that active listener. Uh, that's probably the best quality you can have. Great. No, that's really, really interesting. Um, now, what is being a financial advisor like taught you personally? Yeah, I would say <laughs> not to sound like a broken record, but um, <laughs> just to to be a better listener uh, yeah. and to realize that it's not about flaunting what you know and feeling like you need to prove. I know stuff, you know, I'm, I'm an expert. I studied this. Um, most clients, like I said, they don't care. Um, they just want to know that you're in it for them. And so I've found that a lot of the time and, and something that I've actually talked with, with uh, leaders and, and a leader pointed this out to me is they always look um, when we do monitoring our calls and, and going over you know, ways we can improve how we talk to clients, they said, the way I can tell a call is a good one is when, and it kind of displays visibly for us, it'll show that when the client is talking, the bar is really, really low and the sound waves are low. And then when we're talking, they're a lot bigger. Mm. And they, and that leader told me the way I can tell a call is really good is when there's more smaller sound bars than there are large ones, because that means the client's talking more and you're listening. Wow. And that really stuck with me. And so that's something I've, I've definitely taken to heart. Um, you know, it's not about talking their ear off and, and telling them all the stuff, you know, but really listening to their situation. And sometimes that's really what a client needs. They just need to feel heard and they need to feel listened to. And being that reassurance, like, you are in the right place. We are going to do this for you. Like, right. I'm so happy you called us. Like, let's do this. Yeah. That makes all the difference. So that was definitely the, the biggest lesson I've learned so far in my career. I'm no, sure, sure there's many more, but that's the big one that stands out to me. No, for sure. That thing about sound bars is really interesting. That, that's a really, really cool um, perspective. Um, so what is something that people should know about financial advising that isn't really talked? enough about? That's, that's a good question. Um, I would say, you know, financial advising, especially, I, I feel like 
especially recently has come up in conversation and kind of thinking about the things to look for when looking for a financial advisor. Um, it wasn't as discussed uh, much before. Um, I think the thing that comes to me is, you know, looking for that fiduciary title in an right. advisor is really important. Um, I think that that has come into relevancy, especially recently, um, right. which is great. I'm really ha happy to see that. I think something that surprised me the most about financial advising when just starting to look into this career path is how much the financial and the investment piece of it is starting to fall out of the um, importancy of holistic financial advising. And so what I mean by that is so many places right now are introducing robo-advisors where there yeah. is a portfolio um, constructed based on certain risk tolerance preferences, based on time horizons, based on the type of goal. Um, it just spits out a, an algorithm, uh, a plan that will best fit that need, pushes it forward, a system's going to rebalance it for you, that's it. And so then that kind of has opened up the conversation of where do human, human advisors fit into that anymore? Um, and really where that is, is in those nuances, in that holistic planning space, you know, making sure that, um, you know, if you have multiple kids and you're on your second marriage, what kind of trust is going to suit that best? Hmm. Um, you know, if you recently graduated college and you've got these student loans, but now you're making a lot more money and retirement's on the mind, where is the next dollar going to be best for optimizing your, your saving and debt reduction strategy? Right. Um, things to that nature. That's where the human element comes in. And that's where you really can't replace financial advisors fully with a robo advisor. Um, there's always going to be those nuances that are important to human beings. And I think just having those conversations, being able to talk to another person that can empathize with you is always going to be super important. So I think um, that's something I wish I knew uh, a little bit more going into the industry is realizing you're not going to be managing a portfolio as much as you think. It's not going to be so much about the investments. It's going to be on those softer, um, more holistic areas. Um, and that's where the value really is, is showing. That's awesome. Very, very interesting. Um, so kind of, so kind of switching gears here, we were talking about um, <laughs> now the day of life of an advisor. And now I want to go back to your days in Michigan State. Um, so you were one of the founding members of MSU WMA. And so like, what did that look like? What, what, what was like the, the how, what was the inception of WMA like? Yeah, well, I, I want to start out by saying, you know, I was in no way even, you know, a, a huge part of the founding of WMA. I uh, especially want to shout out to um, Elizabeth DeMonte, Rachel Pizzamenti, Brooke Campos, Nick Moon. Uh, the five of us were the founders. And I want to say more so than anyone, Elizabeth, uh, she was huge, instrumental to the founding of the Wealth Management Association at Michigan State. Um, what that looked like, um, I kind of stumbled upon it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> nice. I got introduced to Professor Schiestel, who said, hey, Elizabeth is looking to start up an association for the wealth management. 
uh, program, you should connect with her. And so that's what I did. I reached out and I said, hey, anything you need, I got it and I'll, I'll help you in whatever ways you need. So um, she kind of organized all of us to uh, start this organization, to go through, you know, each of us kind of took on different tasks. My task was uh, mainly on focusing on marketing uh, and uh, recruiting people to come to the meetings. So right. I kind of built out the posters, um, found the events to go to, things of, of that nature. Um, so it was definitely, I think that I felt a little bit over, in over my head. I think that the other members knew a lot more of what they were doing and yeah. had a, a much better head on their shoulders. I felt like, oh my gosh. So they, they definitely were instrumental to it all. Um, and uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. It was super informative. Honestly, I think I learned just as much from creating that organization as I did from taking wealth management classes. Um, so it was instrumental in my knowledge as well. So um, it was definitely huge in my personal development, but I'm so, so happy to see it blossom into what it is today. I mean, I, I'm so geeked out about this podcast. Like, this is awesome that you guys have come up with that. So I'm um, super excited to see how far it's grown and how far it, it has to grow. Um, yeah. It's really great. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's super exciting. And the, the, a lot of great things to expect in the future. That's all I'm going to say, but um, definitely. Yeah. So I don't what... doubt it. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what was it like? Um, you, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but, um, what was it like creating a new club on campus and what'd you like learn from that experience per se? Mm -hmm. I think I learned that, um, you know, creating a, a, an organization in a club, it's almost like forming a business a little bit. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah. And just in the fact that there's so many moving parts, you know, it's not just all of a sudden saying, Hey, we're going to start this club and let's hope that people come, you know, you actually have to make your name known and, and get it out there. You have to talk about, you know, what kind of budget do we have? Are we going to put money into this? Like, mm -hmm. what are we going to put that money towards? Um, what kind of things are we going to talk about? You know, are we going to make this uh, for educational purposes? Are we going to have guest speakers? What does that look like? So um, definitely a lot of aspects. I think it was uh, very informative for me as far as just knowing how to kind of wrangle all of those different aspects together and right. form something from it. Um, it helped me a lot in that. Um, I, I would say, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing is just organization, uh, being able to handle multiple things all at once to kind of create a bigger picture uh, of something for a greater purpose. Sure. No, that's awesome. And um so going back to the financial advising thing to kind of close this out, um, mm -hmm. what would you say to anyone considering the financial planning profession? What do they need to know? I would say number one thing is this is an amazing industry to get into. Um, and there is such a huge need for it. Um, I saw some crazy statistic a while ago that over half of uh, financial advisors out there right now are retiring very shortly, like within the next five years. And the majority of them do not have a contingency plan. They have no idea who their book is going to or what's going to happen to their clients. Um, and so 
there is such a need for this, not only from the advisors that are looking to retire, but also their clients, you know, these people that they don't know what they're doing. This isn't something that they get paid to do. So <laughs> they don't want to have to think about it reasonably. Um, and right. so uh, there are so many opportunities out there. Um, I think something important to keep in mind is um, that there are a lot of different ways you can be a financial advisor, a lot of different setups for companies. Um, you know, for example, Vanguard, where I work, is probably considered more of a, a wirehouse all-in-one firm where Vanguard is a brokerage firm. Uh, the advisor piece of it is a, a little bit separate, but works together closely with that broker side. So right. um, there's a certain benefit, pro, certain pros and cons to that aspect versus looking at a smaller uh, RIA that's more independent. You know, there, you can find some really niche ones. I've heard of ones that uh, you know, advisors that mainly work with dentists. I've heard of advisors that mainly work with professional athletes. There's so many different niche topics out there that have their own sets of challenges that you have to um, accommodate. So um, definitely uh, there's so many different aspects and, and so many different ways you can take it. Um, I would say uh, along with that, just be wary of, of all of the opportunities that are out there, do your research on the companies that you're looking at right. um, and really look into what do they mean by financial advising? Do they mean this holistic approach that you know is talking about the different planning needs around um, you know a holistic financial picture? or is this talking about you know maybe just one aspect of it? Is this going to be, uh, just working on life insurance products for people or just working on investments for people. Right. Make sure you do your due diligence research into that. Know what you're getting into just so that you can make sure you're doing what you plan to do and what you want to do. Right, right. Because like when you look back at it, you think to yourself like these are people's like livelihoods essentially. Yeah. Like, not essentially like it is. Like it's, it's their- It is. Is <laughs> their entire life savings you're working with. So- yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's an incredible opportunity. So it um, is. And, and you can really tell, you know, the work you do is so impactful. I yeah. have had clients, I've had interactions where clients break down and cry on the phone and they say, I am so relieved I'm doing this. This is such a huge weight off my shoulders. Best feeling in the world. I, hands down, nothing like it. It's, it's, so amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's that impact in people's lives that's just so awesome. And mm -hmm. it, and it kind of goes back to the robo advising. Like like a robot can't do that. A robot yeah, can't exactly. emo can't emotionally connect with a client and feel like what's going on because everyone's got varying financial situations. So it's no, that's super cool. Um, and any general advice for WMA and our listeners that that you would like to share? Yeah. Um. I think number one thing that I wish somebody had told me, don't worry about how much you know right now. Don't worry about whether or not you're the expert at all the different life insurance products there are. Don't worry about if you know the difference between an A trust, a B trust, a C trust. Uh, don't worry about all of that technical knowledge stuff. As long as you are eager to learn and eager to just soak up all this knowledge and all the people around you in the industry. And as long as you're motivated to help others and, and have that moral compass guiding you, 
the rest is going to fall in place and you're going to learn it, it's, it's going to come with time and um, it's, it's going to be just an amazing ride. So definitely um, just be eager, be open, be willing to learn and, and have that mindset of, I want to do what's right. And you're going to be solid. So essentially graduating from school, you had the foundation, but that wasn't the end of your learning. Like you've learned substantially oh, more ever since then. Definitely. Definitely. And I know I have such a ways to go in learning. Wow, so, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, there's so many different topics out there. It's impossible to be an expert on everything, right? but knowing that you have the tools to get there, utilizing those resources, you know, it's always going to be available to you. And luckily in this industry, you know, I think the stigma was before that it was a kind of a dog eat dog, um, you know, com competitive uh, place to be where people are trying to get their own clients and take them away. I think it is starting to turn from that and start to be a more collaborative environment of yeah. how can we figure out what is going to be best for our clients? How can we figure out what is best for uh, every individual's uh, needs? And, um, you know, what can I do to help you get there? And what can you do to help me? It's a really great environment. I think the industry is, is starting to turn into a really uh, collaborative place. And it's really exciting to see. That's super awesome. Claire, thank you so much for being on. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it was great. I am so excited to be a part of this and uh, go green. Go white, go white. If you liked what you just heard, please like, comment, and share. MSU WMA or Michigan State University Wealth Management Association is a student organization part of the Eli Broad College of Business located in East Lansing, Michigan. Our mission is to inspire and educate the next generation of financial planners. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please check out our channel on all platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcast. And check out our social media at MSUWMA and MSUWMA.com.